Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sun's Solar Panel. We're back to the early time slot this morning on the live show. So anybody who noticed, I tweeted out last night once. Um, and, uh, you know, we, I've set it up on YouTube late last night. So hopefully everyone picks up on the show. That's okay. You can watch it later. We are just as good later. You just can't join in the chat. For those who are here, feel free to join in the chat. Jump in. We'll be taking questions throughout the show. We're also What we're going to do today is we're going to re-pick, recap the Suns' first two games. Uh, but let's start with our introductions. My name is Dave King, and you uh, find me at brightsideofthesun.com and at Dave King NBA on Twitter. Mo- joining me today on the panel is first a regular, regular guest. Love him. Been around the Suns forever and covered the team. PLR, how are you doing? What's going on, gentlemen? It's another happy Saturday morning. Another happy Saturday morning. And why are you so happy these days, PLR? Tell me what makes you happy oh. these days. I'm as giddy as a dancing George Jefferson. My, uh, my, my eldest son. My oh, eldest George son. Jefferson. I yeah. was thinking George Jetson for a sec. Go ahead. No, no, no. My, my eldest son was uh, named Athlete of the Month in Akatio and Awatuki Living News. So that, just flying oh, high man. right now. Thank you. That is awesome. Thank you. Reading man. athletes. I bred, I bred, um, Regular worker people, not athletes. <laughs> <laughs> well, my girls I, turned to me one time. We were watching the Olympics, and they're like, "Dad, why didn't you raise us to be Olympic athletes?" I'm like, "Well, first you have to be athletic." <laughs> <laughs> so good on well, you, man. Hey, well, you see, you know, a lot of folks don't see me, but I have this uh, stealth athletic frame. Well, it was like 40 years ago, but that's besides the You're point. It was. It. It was, it was in there. In fact, it's funny because I have a game with my youngest man today at uh, a little after nine. So it never stops, Dave. It never stops. Never stops. PLR is going to be here for uh, at least a good half the show. So uh, if you see him duck out and it's down to Jake and I, that's all right. That's time to introduce our next guest on the panel, Jake, fallen founder. How's it going, man? Doing well, doing well. Uh, I, I love the support that you guys are talking about. I still remember back in the day when I told my dad, you know, if I go out and I practice really hard on the basketball hoop outside, I could someday maybe play in the, uh, the NBA. And uh, without even looking up from his dinner, he said, no, you're never going to make it. <laughs> so, you know, that was that tough love that, uh, that uh, was just missing in a lot of other also households. reality uh, check. Exactly. Well, maybe it was because our driveway was actually like uh, on an angle, you know, so the hoop was actually, so I'd have to learn how to shoot sideways. So maybe he was just like, you can practice all you want. It's, it's actually not going to help you. Uh, for me, it wouldn't have mattered if the driveway was flat. So I did have a hoop in my backyard. I had a driveway. I played with my friends. I knew early on that it's really tough to get there as an NBA athlete if you're barely six feet and you can't jump any higher than Jared Dudley. So that's that's kind of it. Uh, that kind of that kind of limits your your capabilities. I was always like more of a Boris Diaw type of basketball player. Anyway, stick me in the middle. I could pass like I could pass great. I could I could do a little bit of everything. But man, I am not going to beat you on the dribble up and down the court. That's for sure. 
Hey, Jared Dudley is hope for chubby kids everywhere, so leave him alone. Hey, I just saw him Wednesday night when the Suns hosted the Mavs. This is a good segue into our first segment. But when the Suns hosted the Mavs, Jared Dudley is an assistant on that team. And he was helping Luka Doncic warm up on the on court side. And, yeah, he looks exactly like you would think he would look three years after retirement. He's going to be a good head coach one day, though. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the show. So enough about ourselves. Good morning, Jam. Good morning, Sawbucks. Good morning, all the other people in the chat. We really welcome you. We're glad you're here. And uh, let's, get, let's get it. Let's talk about the Phoenix Suns. My first observation, the Suns have played two games. Just a quick recap for those who are checked out and they only watch the solar panel, but not the Suns, which is, hey, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, the Suns are one and one after two games. They came back against the Mavs after a the first half of that game, looking like a repeat of game seven. And then the, Ma the Suns just crawled back. And then in game two, they had an early lead against the Trailblazers, but the Trailblazers crawled back. And, man, they played really well. And Damian Lillard had 41 points. And the Trailblazers beat the Suns by two in overtime. So the Suns are now one and one after two games. And I want to, we're going to go in depth on those two games, guys. So don't, don't worry about the little minutia. But what's your 30,000-foot takeaway from this Suns team after two games that you could walk away at the end of the show. Every every little thing you said adds up to that big takeaway. Start with Jake. What's your big takeaway after two games? Uh, I'd say that uh, Devin Booker, believe it or not, I think he's the real deal. I think he's going to be a good player someday. You know, he keeps uh, working at it. He just might turn into something. Uh, uh, no, I'll say uh, Booker's looking great out of the gate. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, I think, has been looking fantastic. Um, I think we're kind of as fans a little bit used to him starting slow and, you know, turning it on around the playoffs. Um, so I've been liking kind of what I saw from him. Obviously he didn't play that much in the first half of game one. Um, but I like what I'm seeing. And of course the, the, I think the uh, elephant in the room is, um, the bench, the bench scoring and where it's going to mm. come from. And there's a bigger elephant, but yes, that is <laughs> one elephant for sure. Well, that's the elephant I'm looking at is, uh, and gotcha. his name's Cameron Payne. Uh, and <laughs> I, I think those guys are going to need a little bit of help because Lee can't be the hero every night. That's true. PLR, what's your big overarching takeaway of the Suns after two games this year? That they um, that this team will miss a consistent third score. And, uh, and I, I know we're supposed to say Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Aiden, but I, I don't want to rely on Chris Paul at the stage. It's just, as the third scorer. So they're missing that other guy. And and my elephant in the room is I think Mikel's game is developing, but I don't think it's developed offensively enough to be that person. I just think they need one more on a night when, say, Devin is struggling or Aiden is in foul trouble. Who can they go to? And there's no one in that starting lineup that they can just hang their hat on and say, go get me some buckets. So that's that's standing out to me. Yeah, we've got some comments on the chat on what their over what their biggest takeaways are. Uh, book coming for MVP from Sundarus Dunks. Um, you've got Ted Lubin saying I saw signs of life in that team, but also that CP3 looks old. Um, of course, you've got the Sawbucks telling it's too early to tell. Oh yeah, we know, <laughs> but we're doing a podcast. So we're doing early overreactions. That's, that's what we do. Um, Cam Johnson got to get it together. Uh, Sundress. Yeah. So 
Look, man, here's my biggest overall takeaway. My biggest overall takeaway is unless something dramatically changes, which it could because it's only two games in, the Suns team looks different and not necessarily better than last year's Suns team. And let me explain why. Just different. They look like they they are learning a new offense and they're learning a new defense with their personnel that are basically the same for the last two years. Um, this offense does not focus on Chris Paul pounding the ball almost the entire time, getting bringing the ball up all the time, setting up the offense. This offense does not involve Devin Booker playing off ball almost the entire time. He, he led the league in points per touch last year because he didn't touch it enough. Uh, and it also last year's, Suns team did not rely on DA at all, DeAndre Ayton at all in the second half. And this year, almost every single fourth quarter possession goes through DA at some point, DeAndre Ayton. So this is a completely different team. Now, is it better? Is it worse? At the moment, it's not as good. Uh, At the moment, because it's not proven. At the moment, they look uncomfortable. In Friday night's game, um, DA looked a little uncomfortable trying to make those free throws at the end of overtime uh, when they needed both those to, uh, to win the game. But we'll go even further into each of these. Uh, the bench, you know what, man, the uh, Sawbuck says, I wish we could have kept the 2021 bench. I've actually been fairly um, happy with what I've seen from some of those bench players. Oh. Obviously, Damian Lee hitting the game winner. The other night, playing really good in Cam Johnson's absence. Uh, Cam Johnson's been dealing with different cramps and things like that. Um, but and then Cameron Payne has looked a little bit better than I expected, and Tory actually made a couple of threes so far. So I'm not that disappointed in the bench. Here's the big elephant in the room for me: Chris Paul. Chris Paul is no longer, <clears throat> at least at this point, not All Star Chris Paul. This is aging point guard you can get from just about anywhere off the street. He did get 12 assists in he's got 21 assists over the two games, 12 assists on Friday and nine assists on, on Wednesday, but he hardly scoring and he doesn't even want to take the shot. I mean, it's last year. He didn't want to take shots this year. He wants to take even fewer. That's the big thing. And so when you say PLR, the Suns don't have a third score. That's absolutely right. Because you've got uh, Devin Booker is the top scorer. You've got DA as the secondary scorer. And then there's really nobody else who can step up and get you 20 a night or 18 a night consistently. It's going to always have to be someone different. And that's pretty stressful on a coach and also on the team as to who's mm-hmm. going to be that third guy each night. And if it's always a different guy every night, do you know they're going to deliver in the fourth quarter? <laughs> that's the problem if it's not a consistent guy. So that's my overall takeaways is this is a different team. It just looks different. So now let's break it down to each individual game. Uh, let's, let's look at each individual game. Friday night. When it got to halftime, well, late second quarter, the Suns are down 21, 2021. Halftime down 17 only because of a really fortunate Uh, turn of events right at the end of the half to get it down to 17. It shouldn't have even been 17. It should have been 21 at halftime down 22, a couple minutes into the third quarter down 15 again in early in the fourth quarter PLR. While you were watching that game, did you think that the Suns were dead? 
Like they were, their core was good, done. They were done. What's weird is I didn't, and here's why. Because they got embarrassed by this team last time. And even though they were losing, the difference between the two was it looked like they gave up in game seven. Whereas in this game, it didn't look like they gave up. Now, I didn't think Dallas was going to open and open the door and invite the vampire in, but I thought the Suns never gave the, never gave up effort. And so that's where I saw a little bit of, a little bit of difference. And, and that's kind of what kept me watching because if it was the anemic performance they had last time, I would have just I would have clicked that bad boy off. But, but but I like I like the effort. So the effort was there. Even and when I, they were down fifteen and down twenty two and all that at different points, you're you were good with the effort at that point. Well, I wasn't good with the execution at that point. Uh-huh. But it wasn't but it wasn't like like I said, it wasn't that oh crap, Dallas is about to put their foot all up in her ass again. It was it was when the door went do you remember well obviously you remember because we were sitting next to each other. Last year, last year during game seven, when Dallas gave them a little crack to get in, they just bricked like seven more shots. Whereas game one, Dallas gave them a crack to get in and they took it. And then Dallas was back on their heels. So you, you always had the feeling, well, if this breaks right, they'll come back. Also, I think, Dave, a lot of that had to do, and Jake, a lot of that had to do with who they were playing. They did not want to be embarrassed on national TV by the last team that embarrassed them on national television. Well, so I think the fight, fight would be different. Yeah, so I think the fight was going to be different. I think Chris Paul was going to go down mm-hmm. with the ship on Wednesday. Yep. I think Devin right Booker did not want that ship to sink. And he had just enough guys around him to help him keep that ship afloat to go keep doing that analogy. All right, Jake, what's your takeaway? When they were down 22 Mm. in the third, 15 in the fourth, what's your takeaway? Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, a good, uh, a good sports conspiracy theory. When I saw DA still sitting on the bench uh, late in the first half, I was like, Oh no, no, no. Monty and him didn't talk since the last time it's coming back now and uh, they're not friend friendly together. And uh, you know, he quit on the team again and he's not going to put him in. And I knew he had a little foul trouble, but you know, as bad as things were getting, I thought, okay, it's time to call out the big guns and, and DA finished so strong. Uh, but at halftime, yeah. Um, there was something we, the, the Suns the last couple of years have had fantastic turnarounds. So um I actually uh, took a money line at halftime Did <laughs> and, you? Uh, and, and won, won some nice money, but um, nice. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, no, the, the, there was, uh, it, it looked like that a lot of times only a couple guys on the court knew what was going on. Um, I, I think that was a good description. You added that they're learning a new offense, learning some new defense, at least I wrinkles, think, obviously not yeah. entirely new, but wrinkles. Well, and, and you would have thought, uh, the way the, the from how far back the Suns came uh, that they were lighting up the three point line, but it wasn't that. It was just, uh, I mean, they, they still the, the Mavericks still outshot them from uh, the three point line at and at a more efficient clip, and uh, the Suns just came in and made smart plays and whittled it down, and then the momentum just got so much. I, uh, I was actually a little bit worried towards the end of the third when it uh, got very close, and then I think the Mavericks went back up what six or eight that yeah. uh, we might have run out of momentum, but they picked it right back up in the fourth. Yeah, man, the Mavericks. And then that freaking uh, Christian Wood went on a personal 16-2 to two <clears throat> run against the Suns over the Suns. I cut it to one. And you're not a Wood believer, are you? 
I'm not a wood believer. <laughs> and I tell you what, neither is Jason Kidd yet, because after that 15-point run, after that 16-2 to two run, Wood hardly played again. Oh, I guess I didn't even notice. And he came well, he back in with like two minutes left, didn't make a shot, and got owned on defense. Well, he got me my fantasy points, so I was good with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you go with the fantasy stuff, sure. Jason Kidd's trying to win games. So I'm not saying me and Jason Kidd is on the same wavelength. I'm just saying that Christian Wood has not earned it yet in crunch time, and, and Kidd's somebody who's going to make him earn it. Um, now, will will uh, Christian Wood develop into a really great all-star level guy who maximizes his talent this year? Possibly. Possibly. But very small likelihood. He's on like his eighth team. So yeah. let's not uh, let's not suddenly crown him. Um, as as Dallas writers were saying, he's he's the best number two Luca's ever had. Well, that just says more about the number twos Luca's had right. than anything else. Um, okay, so my I've got some takeaways from game one, and I wanted to get you guys' input. Obviously, the Suns did come back. They forced that comeback from down 15 early in the fourth quarter to winning by two at the end. How did they do that? Well, almost all of that was done with Devin Booker as point book. Chris Paul was given his normal rest at 641 left in the fourth quarter. The Suns were down, I think, almost the full 18 or 15. Maybe they were down 12 or something at the time. Maybe it was 11, actually. That's how I remember. They were still down 11. Chris Paul takes his rest. Campaign comes in. Damian Lee was already in there. He stays in there because why? Because Cam Johnson had a cramp and couldn't play the rest of the fourth quarter. So you've got Book, DA, and Mikel, the big three, and then two bench guys. And they came back, and they almost couldn't be stopped defensively uh, the, by, by Dallas's defense. They almost couldn't be stopped. And they had enough stops to, to um, overcome a 15-point deficit in eight minutes. Uh, that was pretty incredible. Uh, PLR, what did you think of Point Book? Well, I mean, Book can do do just about anything. I like the way he ran the game. I like the way everything went through. But here's my problem, though, with that too much. I don't want to wear him out game one, game two, game three. They legitimately need to find another point if Cam is not going to be the person. I, I just – we know what Booker can do, right? But Booker, every year, he has a little tightness in those legs, too, at some point. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm, I'm worried about how much we use him doing that. I mean, there, there's nothing that Booker is going to do at this point that's going to make me say, oh, wow, I didn't know he couldn't do that because the guy works every offseason, every year he gets better, every year he adds something. So him running point will become obviously more and more fluid the more he does it. But I don't want him running point for any stretches more than, you know, right. give the point guard a rest or he's being pressed. So I, do I like to ask you a question directly? I think he's great at it. To, to give you this, the part B answer, but I don't want to see him doing it all game. <laughs> Not all game for sure. But what I thought was especially fun to watch in that fourth quarter was how did, how did Dallas beat the Suns in games six and seven when Chris Paul was equally ineffective in that playoff series? They trapped Book 25 feet out, 30 feet out, right? They trapped him hard and made him pass out but the Suns couldn't do anything with those pass outs. Mm -hmm. Nobody ran toward the ball. Nobody came up halfway, caught the short roll, and then finished either scoring or passing. 
they had that in spades on Wednesday night. The Suns had obviously learned from how they lost in that, specifically to Dallas in that last playoff series. If Book's going to get trapped, then he's going to be able to pass out quickly. He knows how to get to, and DA was the recipient of those passes most of the time. And DA's made some really nice passes to the corners or to cutters off that short roll, or he actually drove in himself and he took very few mid range shots. That was really, really good to watch DA in that game as the, as that facilitator when book got trapped. Um, So I, I really enjoyed watching that. And that is a complete change from the playoff loss. Now that's just one defense and book again, use the reference to junk defenses. Um, <laughs> he, he has a healthy disdain uh, for um, any defense that isn't a standard man on man defense, you know, or standard pick and roll defenses or whatever it is. Um, he has a healthy disdain for it. Obviously he got very famous for saying, why are you double teaming me in this, in the, in the gym in the summer years ago, but he has, he has a big disdain for what he calls junk defenses is anything where it's unexpected and nobody, and and it's generally not effective, but the Suns just don't know how to beat it. Guess what's another junk defense is zone. And we'll talk about that when we get to Friday's game, they still haven't solved that one, but they did solve the trap book at mid court on Wednesday night. And DA did a really great job because there was nobody right on his right at his feet when he caught the ball right? Because they were doubling hard out at, out at midcourt. And so he was able to stop, think, and do something uh, within really quickly, but he still didn't have anyone at his feet ready to body him up and may, have him make a decision before he moved again on the catch. So that was really good on Wednesday night. I, I liked that. And obviously Damian Lee coming up big. Three threes and the game winner in the fourth quarter Raise your hand if you thought Damian Lee was going to be the third scorer in in the fourth quarter for the Suns. Any hands up? (laughs) You saw Damian Lee in that lineup, and you're like, ah, shit. Well, I was hoping he was going to bring a little bit of that uh, Splash Brother mentality. I just didn't know we were going to see it in game one. Uh, And he's clearly – he's not Clay Thompson. He's not uh, Curry. Um, But, you know, that mentality of be ready to catch and shoot and be explosive – he did bring that, so it's good to see. Yeah, and um, as uh, as as Ted Lubin in the chat brought up, I don't want to ignore the defensive side. The Suns really stepped up on effort level on defense in the second half, absolutely chasing the Mavs off of their favorite spots and all that. They did a really good job, but um, it's just more interesting what changes they had in their offense to come back and beat the Mavs in that Wednesday game. Uh, what other takeaways did you guys have from the Wednesday game? I've got a couple, but I'm going to open it up to you. PLR? Dave, you said something, which actually I had a different takeaway. But when you said they were ready for the trap with Booker, wouldn't that have been an indictment on Monty if they weren't ready, though? I mean, more more than so. Well, it was with, already an indictment on Monty that they weren't ready for it by game seven of the last series. He'd he, seen it three straight games, four straight right, so games. I'm, so I'm saying if you didn't make the adjustment, on the first, when that schedule came out, if that wasn't one of the things that you circled on your board to make sure you can, you can handle, I think that's, that's would be more than an, in, yeah, an indictment it's, on it's him. Good. It's good though. They actually learned and they got, that's good. Yes. So that was, that was my, my point. But <laughs> I was like, and, and so I, I know, I know I can't say the whole show, 
but that indictment will grow, and I'm sure you guys will get on it in game two when you talked about the zone. That indictment is starting to grow on how are you never ready for a zone when you know they're going to throw it at you, when everybody knows you're not the best uh, we'll get to zone team to shoot threes. So yeah. what other what other takeaways did you have from game one? I just want to make sure we go through <clears throat> everything we saw in that game first. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to say, I, I know that uh, all the talk radio shows were talking about uh, Chris Paul not being in, uh, uh, you know, on the court uh, during crunch time that uh, they let uh, Monty let him ride the pine and they went with uh, kind of the hot hand keeping Lee in there, for example. Um I had no problem with his decision. In fact, I thought that that was the best development decision from mm-hmm. Monty that I've seen. Um, his because ability that was, to yeah. actually stick with that decision and make it yes. Yeah, and 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 Paul, you know, I think there was a concern that Paul would have been just furious about that. Uh, but he, you know, body language wise, you know, the few times it panned over there, and they're like, "Why isn't Chris Paul still in?" You know, he's hey, he was clapping, he was you know coaching up the team, and I, I think he realizes that it's, it's going to help him. I mean, gosh, uh, so he hasn't hit a three-pointer yet this year in the first two games. His legs kind of look tired from shooting from range already. Uh, I mean, his, his mid-range game is always fine, but uh, those threes, I mean, it just, uh, I don't know. I've got too much uh, flashbacks from the playoffs of just tired Chris Paul trying to chuck up a three-pointer. Um, and uh, so I'm, 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 I hope he doesn't get more than 30 minutes in a single regular season game. Now, obviously that was just broken uh, with uh, last night's game, but that was overtime. So, you know, (laughs) I'd say give him a little extra run, but um, he was at 31 going into overtime. Yeah. So I I think, I think that's great. That's exactly where it should be. He should not be, he was what, 34, 35 minutes. And, uh, uh, and that's uh, a PLR talked about it too. I'm going to be a little bit worried. Uh, Booker is uh, over 40 minutes each game uh, so far. And again, you have the overtime, but, uh, Let's cut that back. And so I, I know Shaman's been out, and I don't want to say come back soon, Landry. But if if, if you can just spot these guys another 10 minutes, uh, I think that's going to be fantastic for them uh, to kind of maintain that explosiveness when they need it in crunch time. Jake, let me give you an example of this, and Dave and, Dave and I can can relate more than you can. When you're when you see that uh, that hey. discount for 55 and older, and you're like 49, you're like Damn it, I don't want – no, I'm not 55. And that's Chris Paul, like, last year. Now when you're, like, 54, you're like, I can't wait to get that discount. <laughs> that's Chris Paul sitting on the bench saying, I can't wait to get those couple extra minutes. Your mind changes every year because your body tells you the truth. No matter what you want to do, your body will tell you the truth. And I think he's come to the, to the point that he knows he can't play 35, 36 minutes a game for, you know, 78, 80 games and still be fresh. I think his mind has come to that. So if Monty is riding the hot hand, all he cares about is get the win. Yeah. And that, that's no, great for Monty. We were calling for that in the playoffs last year, weren't we? I mean, yeah. it was Monty's going to need – he trusts Part of the all. playoffs problem was campaign was so awful. <clears throat> He'd already right. been benched, so you can't bench both point guards. Although – you didn't really need campaign did not play point guard on Wednesday. He just played body. He just played floor stretcher because Devin Booker was the point guard. Devin Booker in that 841, uh, 840 something where he was, uh, where Chris, sorry, the last 641 where Chris Paul sat. Devin Booker had seven points, six assists. It only took three shots and he had six assists. 
to close out that game. I think that's pretty incredible. And it's a, that's a good kudos for, uh, for Devin Booker. And you're right. Not in big doses, not all game PLR. I totally agree with you. I've never been a fan of point book. He is a little bit fragile. He does have a history of pulling hamstrings, but when you need something in the crunch time and you know, that team uh, is a bad matchup for Chris Paul, then it's good to be able to go to point book and Monty finally learned how to do that. Now, a couple of other takeaways I had from that uh, Wednesday game was DeAndre Ayton was a huge difference maker. So the reason, one of the reasons the Suns got down 20, 21, 22 in that first half was because they had to play Jock Landale and Bismack Biombo because DeAndre Ayton got three early fouls. He only played seven of the first half's 24 minutes and, um, Luca was just eating up those switches on those guys, killing the Suns on that. And then when Aiton played in the second half, Luca was a minus 25 for the second half. Did you guys know that? Luca on the court in the second half was a minus 25. Oh. DeAndre Aiton played all but one minute in the second half. He got a little one minute breather toward the end of the third. Of course, that's when Chris Wood started his, his run. Uh, but man, he played almost that entire second half. I thought he was great. In these two games, I thought DeAndre Ayton was great in these two games. Now, let's any other observations from Friday um, that we haven't touched on yet? I mean, Wednesday, Wednesday's game that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, I know we'll we'll get into it a little bit for uh, last night's game, but uh, I'm hoping that Cam Johnson, if he's not going to be very effective scoring, he's got to be more effective doing something else. And uh, well, how about uh, just staying on the court? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, helping out, we talked about this uh, last year too. Uh, Crowder was not much of a rebounder, but he could at least body somebody up and help, you know, DA or somebody else get to the ball. Um, Cam's going to have to, if, if his shot's not going down, if things aren't working for him, he's going to have to try and fill up the stat sheet in another way. Yeah, I don't know what's up, uh, Cam Johnson. Oh, here's, here's another takeaway that we haven't even brought up yet. And I think, I, well, PLR, you mentioned it really quickly early on. Then I told you to wait until we get down to minutia. PLR, tell me what you thought of Mikel Bridges Wednesday night. Ooh, um, <laughs> um, okay. See, I'm going to sound like the Mikel hater, and I'm not the Mikel hater. I, I love what Mikel does. I, no, I love what Mikel does in general for this team, but I don't think he understands spot what's needed in spots. So there are a couple times where they really could have used him more offensively. And he just doesn't understand now is my time. And I don't think that's because he, he necessarily can't. I think he's always been such a defensive-minded, team-minded person. He doesn't understand there are times where you can be, you can be selfish, which makes you unselfish. And I don't think he's figured that out yet so offensively. And there were just a couple times, I, and I don't remember the minute mark, but I saw him touch the ball, and I'm like, dude, you didn't even look at the rim. Like, your, your first thought was, like, get it out of my hands and, and get, get the ball to somebody else in a good spot. And it's like, dude, shoot the shoot the damn ball. Get to the rim. Your mid-range has become pretty, de pretty decent. I love that little spin move that he makes or that little fake that he makes, and he's up. It's like, mm -hmm. dude, just do it. Even if you miss it, they have to respect it. So th that's my biggest takeaway from it because I'm a big Mikel fan. Just offensively, come on, dude. 
Yeah, definitely. He's taken it back. He's, he's, he's kind of in the in-between he's stuck in the in-between offensively. He's trying to develop his drive and score, get into the paint and score game. He knows he's really good at cutting. He knows he's good at making threes on spot up threes, but he's not staying back there anymore. Um, he's actually didn't even take a three this Friday. Um, and, uh, it's, 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 it's a little weird how little he's, he's, uh, taking on threes and, and, and standing there waiting to take, make that three point shot. But here's where I'm impressed with Mikel where I'm impressed with Mikel is that dude is killing it in con- getting contested rebounds. He's got 19 rebounds, 18 rebounds in two games. When was the last this- time Mikel had 18 rebounds over two games? He's never, is this, a, is this a stat me, Dave? This is a stat me day. <laughs> Man, I got to go find that little thing here. I got to hit a double because I waited too long. Um, yeah. Mikel has never had an 18, game, 18 rebound stretch in two games in his career. He 11, tied his career high with 11 rebounds on Wednesday. Got uh, seven more on Friday. He also got six assists in the Friday game. Um, the dude is really killing it everywhere but scoring. And I've been very impressed with that. I think I think Mikel is trying to do every little thing it takes to win games as long as he doesn't have to score a whole lot. He's definitely not your number two or three scorer and doesn't really care to be. Now we've given we've given DeAndre Ayton crap for years for not being an alpha on scoring. And even on Friday night, Aiden passed out of an open shot where he could have actually driven to the hoop. But Mikel is even worse on wanting to find his shot out of nowhere. Like he just can't do it. He's a, that's not his mentality. So uh, there is a bit of an issue with that. Uh, Mikel is averaging 13 points a game, which is basically his career average, but he's not stepping up and the guys need somebody to step up. Where is Mikel? Really doing well, though, on the rebounds. 18 rebounds in two games. Seven assists in two games. He's averaging, um, he's got a plus 15 from Friday night's game and a plus six, excuse me, from Wednesday night's game and plus six from Friday's. He's doing well, but he's not your third scorer. Well, and he's shooting efficiently, too. Uh, 55% uh, on the season so far uh, through the two games. Uh, It's not, uh, I mean, I'd like to, to see him put a few uh, three pointers down, uh, it frustrates me so much he when he's got those open looks. Yeah. yeah, but uh, uh, you know, on the twos and and those rebounds, you're right, Dave. I did notice that, uh, especially in Wednesday's game, of just uh, all of a sudden the ball would go up and you'd see all the players trying to rebound, and Mikhail comes up with it, and I thought, oh, that's that's a nice <laughs> change, uh, yeah. something I'm not used to seeing. Let's talk about our friends at DraftKings. You guys, you got to sign up. If you haven't signed up yet, you really need to. It's so easy to place bets on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So, so easy. If you haven't started or if you use a different Sportsbook app, switch over to DraftKings. This is the greatest app out there. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. That's it. And in addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. So get going on those parlays. The parlays are the funnest thing. 
Um, the Suns play the Mavericks on Wednesday night. You could make some great predictions on that. And then they play Portland on Friday. And then they, they've got a really grueling first five-game stretch. You guys are going to want to at least have some money on these games. I think that's that's really important. All right, so let's get into uh, the call to action here. You've got to pay attention right now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get a $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for details. All right, let's move to Friday's game. So Friday... Friday, the game two, the Suns came out with a win. I predicted last Saturday that the Suns were going to go one and one this week. They were either going to have a spirited win on Wednesday and lay an egg on Friday, or they were going to uh, lay an egg on Wednesday and come back with a spirited win Friday. It's just tough to win both games when you're when you're in in this weird spot like the Suns are uh, right now. So I think um, I, I expected them to lose on Friday. However. They had the lead for most of the game, including a five-point lead with barely over a minute left in the second overtime. Or first overtime, sorry. Barely over a minute left in the first overtime. They had chances to win. Devin Booker had a bunny. He didn't score. Uh, you've got you've got issues up and down the line with people being able to uh, to being people being able to finish um, scoring. Da had issues, of course. Uh, getting that score done, you know, getting that score at the end. But what did you guys think about their execution in that, even though they didn't make the shots like they had made them on Wednesday night, what did you guys think of their execution when they kept Chris Paul in the whole last six minutes and overtime as if Monty was trying to show everybody he hasn't given up on Chris Paul yet. PLR, give us your takes uh, on Friday's game before you got to go. Um, you, you know what? Honestly, I, I, that's the infamous you, you took defeat from the draws of victory. They, they had that game. And I, in all honesty, Chris Paul was more of a – to me, he was the reason they lost that game because in overtime, he couldn't stay in front of anybody. And for the first time ever watching him play, he was a liability on defense. He couldn't stay in front – well, no one can stay in front of Dame, obviously, so that's unfair. But Anthony, Anthony Simons – couldn't stay in front of him. Couldn't stay in front of anybody. And so Portland went from working to finding the, the soft spot and just making sure they weren't letting him off the hook. And I just th- – that's my worry with this team. Like, if you just take that last five minutes with Chris Paul on defense towards the end of a game, and now I'm sounding like Pat Beverly, I just think that <clears> – <throat> I just think that that is now their deficiency. And I hate to say it like that, but if you're going to give up that much, you got to do something more on the other end. It can't be a, it can't be a, a all or nothing anymore. So that one hurt. To be honest with you, that one bugged me because I'm watching that game saying they're going to give this game away. I cannot believe they're going to give this game away. So that one really bothered me. And then I heard EJ say something about DeAndre should have went up with the left hand and dunked. I'm going to give him, for all those people that watch, and, and I, you know, I'm a big EJ guy, but I'm going to give the big fella a pass on that one because that side of the basket, probably something he's never done before. He just has to hit his free throws. That's a whole other, you know, pressure. I'll say this real quick. I always tell, I always tell my teams, pressure does two things, makes diamonds and cracks eggs. Don't be the egg. And that, 
at that time he was big. Yeah, I think he's got I think he's got a good mentality for pressure situations. I do. It's just that in four years he's never been in that pressure situation because the Suns right. have not been passing him the ball in the last few minutes. And I think they've they've made a conscious decision that with Chris Paul being limited, that he is going to get more chances in the fourth. And I think he's going to play better in those crunch minutes in future games than he did this time. Now, obviously he was still good, still real good. He had a three point play earlier in that in crunch time. Uh, He really, he did really play well, but at the very end with one second left in the game, Devin Booker passes him a shot in traffic, um, sends him, gives him a pass bounce pass in traffic. And he's supposed to go up against the 500 pound use of Nurkic and, and another couple of swipers coming from other corners and finish that shot. And, and he took the foul. He took the foul that they wanted him to take. I mean, telling a guy he should have been able to finish through contact is like, is like saying you should have been able to survive driving, you know, walking through the fire. I mean, just because you do doesn't mean you should. Right. And that's tough to be able to finish with all that physicality going on in there in those final seconds. Then, so DeAndre gets the free throws and you know what? Devin Booker has missed make two to tie free throws in the final seconds. Chris Paul has missed make two to tie in final seconds of games. This says nothing about DA's ability to be able to make free throws in crunch time. Those are really, really tough to make. But Devin, it doesn't help when Damian Lillard goes up and whispers in his ear, yells in his ear, hey man, you know they don't trust you. You know that, right? Did you hear about this? Somebody lip reading? Apparently lip reading. We don't know if he actually said that. Well, that's no, didn't know about that. Yeah. They, he was yelling at DA from behind, and DA was ignoring him. Someone said they lip read that you know they don't trust you, right? Um, he says after the game that he was just asking, "Have you ever been in this situation before?" You know, g- gently. So he was admitting that <laughs> he was trying to get on wrong time the DA. Um, and you know what? It's okay to not make both free throws to tie with a yeah. second left in the game. Every player in the league has missed those shots. So I think DA is going to get better at it. And I'm glad they're doing it both games in the fourth quarter, feeding DA because he's the one who has the highest efficiency on the entire team. He's the one most likely to make a shot in the entire team. So I think that's really great. That has, that has changed a little bit. Um, And I'm, yeah, Dame said after the game what he said. Yeah, but he didn't give quotes. And I think it was a little bit more trash talk than what Dame said he said. And that's okay. That's Dame's job to get in the yep. ear of a free throw shooter. And it's DA's job to deal with it. That's just that's just it. Hey, that was a beautiful pass, though. That, that pass by book was a beautiful pass. Yeah, and you know what? He should have been fouled hard. And he should have been put on the free throw line. Everyone did their job. In that game, the guy who didn't do his job was Jock Landale. He got the <laughs> offensive rebound in the second miss and completely tanked, oh. completely missed the layup. You know, Jock should have just gone up with two hands uh, and, and dunked it, uh, you know, in 360 style. Yeah, why know. didn't he do that? Why didn't he why do it? judging Doc, Jock for how he took that shot with half a second left. Exactly. Well, before uh, I get out of here, I'm going to say this. If your name is Jock, well, damn it, you're supposed to hit that shot. That's right. <laughs> if you're a jock, you're supposed to hit that shot. 
All right, PLR, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know you got to go. Folks, don't leave. Jake and I are going to stay. I know you're disappointed PLR's leaving, but that's all right. We're going to stay behind. We're going to finish talking about game two. We're going to preview next week as well, so stick around. So we're going to put Chris Paul on the bench is what you're saying, Dave. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) PLR, you're Chris Paul. Go sit down. All right, appreciate it, guys. Take care. See you. Bye. Um, All right, Jake. So Friday night's game. What did you see? What what little things did you see from the team that you liked or disliked on Friday night's game? Well, uh, I talked about it a little bit with the last, but what is going on? So I actually, I, I caught more uh, at the radio broadcast because I was driving around uh, during sure. the game uh, a little bit last night. And uh, what is keeping Cam Johnson off the floor this time? Uh, you know what? That wasn't, I don't think that was reported of what's keeping him this time specifically uh, I'll have to look that up. But anyway, okay. he's obviously dealing with something. Uh, he had cramps in the Wednesday game. It was totally clear to uh, play on Friday. And then on Friday, he he took a charge or tried to take a charge, and he ended up hurting himself again. Uh, so I don't know what it was, uh, but hopefully it's just a day-to-day thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, otherwise uh... – uh, um, you know, I'm sure I would have liked to seen Aiton uh, get some more rebounds, but uh, uh, Nurkic, uh, he's a good, he's a good center. He's a, he's a big guy and he, uh, he can, uh, he can be tough to, to kind of out rebound. And that's kind of something I, yeah, I mentioned too, that the Suns might have to, you know, it's great to see Mikel picking it up. I would have liked to see Cam Johnson do a little bit more. Maybe it's just a little bit more that uh, they want to keep Cam out ready for the uh, the quick three pointer if they can get uh, the mm-hmm. the offensive rebound, kick it out to him. Mikel can kind of come in and crash and make the easy two a little bit easier. Um, but the, the the I want to see uh, I want to see Shamit get back. I, I never thought I'd say that, but uh, <laughs> I want to see Shamit get back. Just somebody with a little bit more firepower uh, to add to that bench unit um, because it's it's like sending out every everybody that comes off the bench i feel like is for defensive purposes um yeah or they're just like an energy guy uh with the exception of maybe lee who can who can hit a few threes but pain's in there to let chris paul uh you know get a little bit more energy back um and uh jock to help Aiton kind of energize himself and then the rest are just okay we're gonna go in there and we're gonna try and stop the other guys from scoring and i think uh it might have been the um uh, on the Suns jam session that talked about it, but there was something about how essentially uh, the starters are going to have to build leads uh, because the bench units are going to come in and try to slow mm-hmm. down the other team, uh, their comeback attempt, because they're not yeah. going to be able to extend it. Right. Exactly. That is the difference right there. And I'm actually, look, uh, we, we've tried the jock experiment for two games. We might try it for another 10, six, eight, 10, whatever. But I really think Dario Sarge is the key to that second unit, being, being able to recover. If you all remember the 2021 season <clears throat> where the Suns got significantly better quickly, a lot of those games were Chris Paul and the starting lineup were struggling because they were trying to figure each other out. And the bench was the team, the guys that got them back into it. And that was campaign as your point guard, but with Dario Saric as his big. Um, and I think Dario is the key, still the key to unlocking that second unit because you're right. <laughs> you're right, Jake. That's that second unit is not going to give up a lot of scoring, but they're definitely going to um, stop the other team from scoring. It's just that they're going to hold the line. 
And that's part of the problem. Although the second team is what gave up that 16 to two run to, um, uh, to what's his name? C Wood on, on Wednesday. Um, yes. Uh, big Warthog. Thank you. I was, uh, as Jake was talking, I was doing a search of my own. It was tailbone officially. Monty Williams said that um, taking that charge, he landed and hurt his tailbone. Kim Johnson, he's had aches and pains, nicks and knacks and knocks. Um, he, hopefully he'll be able to just get used to playing again this year. I don't know, but he is definitely a guy, Cam Johnson, who just cannot stay healthy. Um, Ted Lubin, here we go. Dario, power forward. You guys, man, you guys just live for <laughs> 1990s play. I don't understand. No, Dario's not going to start. Hassan Whiteside forward. is still unsigned, Dave. We can go get you can him. Put him have the mid-level forward. exception, yes. Put him at <laughs> the power Twin forward. Towers, it's working in the Minnesota. It's working in Minnesota. Whew. This love of playing a big lumbering guy at power forward, I don't know. But Dario can spot time at power forward, but he's really a center. In today's right. game, he's really at center. But Frank I, was I, never I, a power forward either. Sawbucks, come on, folks. <laughs> You're still stuck in the 90s. Frank was never a power forward. He is always the backup center. You know, I Unless, actually. Except uh, for there was, a, there was one, sorry, three years ago, there's one little stretch where Monty put Aiden and Frank together in a starting lineup, and the Suns did pretty well. Okay, guys, but that was three years ago. And they also, that was mid middle of the regular season that was not going to win you a bunch of games um oh. uh, so i I'll, I'll share this story dave so last night i uh, i ran into the uh, coach of the uh, iowa wolves uh and uh around dinner time and we were having a a couple cocktails and uh, uh i said so is this minnesota experiment really going to work i mean two bigs in there and he goes we did it last year and I said, what do you mean? And he goes, Jared Vanderbilt can't shoot. And we played him at power forward. And uh, he, he was a good rebounder and defensive guy. He goes, Gobert just does that better. And uh, he goes, but essentially, Carl Anthony Towns was playing, uh, you know, the four in that position because Vanderbilt oftentimes would play uh, just down low. And that's where he could make his baskets. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's the same. Um, I, I just don't think it's the same. And by the way, the Wolves lost to the Jazz on Friday yeah. night. I did not know the Jazz were going to be so good. <laughs> the Jazz didn't know they were going to be so good either. Uh, Danny Ainge is like, damn, I got to make more trades. Exactly. Um, they have too many veterans still from those trades they made to send away Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland and then Rudy Gobert to the Wolves. I don't think that experiment's going to work. Carl Anthony Towns was still the primary big man. I don't care what you say about Jared Vanderbilt. No, they weren't really doing that last year. That's my take. <clears throat> they're not going to be better than last year. I think they're going to be about the same. They might be better in the regular season, but they're still going to be a first round out. Ooh. Well, let me ask you, since, uh, since you clearly love the, the thought of two bigs playing together, uh, could Payne, Shamit, Lee, and Jock play with Dario? And you have a Dario and Jock uh, lineup, essentially, because they both can stretch the floor and hit threes, uh, and the other three guys can all hit good shots too, uh, deep shots. So I think that could actually work as a bench unit. Uh, I mean, the likelihood of all five of them on the floor together for any length of time is going to be low. But uh, I, I think that that could potentially work. I mean, if if Dario unlocks campaign, um, I, we saw the preseason where Shamit actually looked efficient in one game, and uh, Jock was playing with him, and uh, maybe Jock unlock, uh, unlocks Shamit. So everyone is, uh, yeah, Jock might unlock Shaman. We'll see. 
Um, everyone in the chat is suddenly jumping on the Dario at far part, four part and having more size in the lineup. I don't think you guys look, it's a five man game. If you take out the guy who can stretch the floor and pull the defense around in different spots and you replace him with another big, a second big next to DA, you get worse in another area of basketball. You just do. Um, Torrey Craig, people don't like because he can't score, but he can defend really well on the perimeter. Dario cannot. If you guys are frustrated about Chris Paul getting blown by all the time, Dario gets blown by too. Sorry, but it just is what it is. That's why he needs to be the big out there playing in the paint. He can do five-minute stretches, three-minute stretches at power forward. I do want to see that, but I mostly want to see him as the backup center. Um, it, you, it's not building blocks. You just don't add another guy. You can't go six guys on the court, seven guys on the court, eight guys on the court, and shore up all of your deficiencies. That's why you need multi-talented guys out there, and you have to – Dario does not space better than Craig's under stones. No. Spacing – doesn't mean standing. Spacing means you're pulling the <laughs> defender out there away from the rim. That's what spacing is. Just because Dario stands out by the three-point line doesn't mean anyone's going to defend him because he hasn't shot over 33% on threes in a while. He's just not that guy. When he was younger, okay, hello, they're getting blown by all day and night. Well, you know what? You're not making it any better by putting Dario out there <laughs> and just giving up the chance of not getting blown by. Guess who wasn't getting blown by? Tori. So you guys got to – I understand. You just want to win every game by 20 points. This is a hot rant. It doesn't rant. happen. This is a hot rant. I'm going to – Building blocks <laughs> of just putting in more guys to shore up every hole you've got. Get them, Dave. Because then you spring other holes. <laughs> One of my favorite comments was Igor Kokoshkov. Igor Kokoshkov as the new coach of the 2018-19 Suns, and the Suns were getting killed in every game. And he just started laughing and he goes, well, because, because the starting lineup was getting killed. So why not put this bench guy into the starting lineup? Okay, fine. Put the bench guy in the starting line. The bench starts getting killed because the bench sucked. And the, the other guy you wanted in the starting lineup now isn't coming off the bench anymore. Guess what? That's kind of happening right now, by the way. Um, now you get, you can't, you, and what, what Igor said is, you plug one hole and two more spring free. That's the problem is you can't just keep adding. It's not building blocks, guys. Craig shouldn't even be in the NBA. Sunderstones, you play defense. You play against Tory Craig, all right? Come on. I was going to say, Craig's not Craig's not doing too bad. I mean, he's only getting 10, 15 minutes a game. Uh, I mean, he's, he's putting the ball in the basket when he can, and he is playing tough defense. He, he's a poor man's version of Mikhail Bridges. Uh, maybe a little... A uh, little bigger. Well, uh, he's just a guy who's not going to lose you games by himself. But he's certainly not going to win them. And the things yeah. we notice, the things we remember, is how many shots did you take and how many shots did you make? Right. Tori is not impressive in that area. And so people aren't happy with him, which is just continues to blow my mind how everyone just gives Mikel Bridges a pass for five years offensively because Sun's Twitter absolutely loves Mikel Bridges. And that's why we're all giving him a pass. But anyway, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So on. what do you think about Dario at the three? <laughs> Let's put Dario at two. If he's there a spacer Point guys, Dario. why not have him backing up Devin Booker? Point Dario. Let's go with that. 
He could see over the defense at least. You know what's amazing about this whole rant Let's that you went Dario on, on Dario? As you were saying, he could see over the defense. <laughs> you started this thing by saying, "I think Dario needs to play Jock's minutes and be that big off the bench." And then, yeah, since the then, one it's been the rundown of Dario Sarge because people are like, "Yeah, maybe play as the together. one big. He's great. <laughs> as the second big, he's not." <laughs> That that was that was an epic rant. That uh, that was a shades of Espo thrown in there. <laughs> We're gonna find. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lobby for Dario to play point guard for the Suns. Why not? Because <laughs> there's one little tiny thing he might do better than Chris Paul. So let's just additive. It's all building blocks. Well, you know, Chris Paul doesn't unlock campaign. So I mean, you might be onto something there. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly doesn't. Uh, move campaign into the starting lineup with Dario and then they can unlock each other in the starting lineup and the Suns will win every game. Let's go. There's so many locks that we have to unlock uh, on this team. That's, (laughs) that's the challenge. This is Uh, why there's so few Devin Booker's out there. They're why there's so few Chris Paul's out there because those guys can play so many different ways and bring so many different things to, and that's, that's why top five guys win NBA championships. That's why. There's only a few guys who are real difference makers in the NBA is because almost every roster has holes. If you think the Suns have a lot of holes and they're still going to be second or third in the West, guess how many holes the other teams have. And that's what I'm talking about. The Rudy Gobert thing. Rudy's going to spring more holes than he, than he fills. That's why his teams always come up short. I did an analysis. I did a quick look back of the Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Let's just even narrow it down to all just Rudy Gobert history. Six straight years in the playoffs. Who has more playoff wins? Six years Rudy Gobert or two years Devin Booker? Who's got more playoff wins? That's Booker, isn't it? By far. Booker has 50% more playoff wins and only two playoff runs than Rudy Gobert had over six years. And that dude won defensive player of the year in at least two of those. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's no, in 1998, Gobert would have more uh, playoff wins. Yeah. Well, this isn't 1998. <laughs> well, so I, for that, let, this, oh, this whole topic started with the question of will Minnesota be better or worse? And I actually think they're going to be basically the same, but not, they can't win any more playoff series. Well, Dave, let me ask you, because uh, I like how Jim said it. So in conclusion, the roster is constructed constructed like crap. Deal with it. And then no, it's not constructed like crap. There's only so many NBA players out there who, look, the Suns are still going to be one of the best teams in the league. That just means everyone else's roster is like crap too. No, you, it's, you can only put five guys out there at once. <laughs> Jesus, people. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is too good. <laughs> Chastity uh, belt, son. Someone had razors in their coffee this morning. Me? Let, let, let me, let, let, well, let, let's show them your softer side, Dave. Who has been the most impressive <laughs> uh, uh, bench player, new addition to the Suns? Uh, who's impressed you the most uh, so far? So I, I think, um, speaking of uh, guys with stones and, uh, you know, chastity belts and all that. Anyway, Damian Lee's got some stones. That dude just turned 30 this week to celebrate his 20. He can say in his 20s, he hit a game winner. He did that on Wednesday night, turned 30 the next day, played well again on Friday night. He's got he's averaging 10 points a game now off the bench. Um, Damian Lee's a big shot maker. 
And I really enjoy watching him play because he does a lot of little things. He got some contested rebounds on Friday. Um, he's obviously made some big shots. I, I've been impressed with Damian Lee. I think, look, he is not a guy you want to play big minutes. But if you need someone like the Suns have used him in the fourth quarter of each of the last two games, he is a guy who can help you win fourth quarters. And that's really nice to have off the bench. What did well, you think of him? Yeah, I mean, he would definitely be my choice for, you know, best new addition. Um, it, it's funny, though. You, I mean, you mentioned uh, you don't want to play in uh, big minutes, and, and I'm, I'm looking through the box uh, scores. And mm-hmm. against the Mavericks, uh, 20 minutes, and against the Blazers, uh, 31. Um, so is that going to be a concern moving forward? Uh, if, well, if we I, think, I think still they like uh, Landry Shamit a little bit better. I personally – like Damian Lee better than Landry Shamit already. Uh, but that could be, that's obviously overreactions from two games, but I do think Damian Lee has potential to be more impactful than Landry Shamit um, has been for the Suns. Well, maybe if the the Jazz keep winning, that's going to drive down their trade demands. Uh, if we I know, go right? Please Clarkson take and, Jordan Clarkson from us. <laughs> Please. We can't yeah, keep well, winning. So since Dario's not playing at all, and Landry hasn't played at all because of the hip, Basically, just adding Jordan Clarkson to the lineup would be a, a hell of a bonus. Mm-hmm. And I would not turn that away. Although I will say, going back to my earlier rant, Jordan Clarkson gives up as many points as he scores. So he's not a net positive. But he'd be fun to watch and he would get points on the board. And if that's what you're looking for, then that's the guy to get. I'm actually, you know, it's funny. And uh, uh, well, let me ask uh, if we're if we're good to talk about the rest of the association now. No, not yet. Let's okay. finish up. We're going to talk quarter three. We're going to talk about the rest of the association because it's been fun. Sorry, I just want to finish up the Friday game. I had some other um, uh, observations from the Friday game. Okoji or Okogi, I forget how it's pronounced. He looks like a really good defensive player. He is worse than Tory on offense. If you don't like Tory Craig on offense, then you're not going to like Josh Okoge either. But defensively, he's impressive. He got a couple of steals. Um, PLR said that CP is terrible on defense. He is when he's getting run by. Uh, but he also got five steals in the first half on Friday night against Portland, but he didn't get any in the second half. But he's, he's still the smartest dude on the floor. Uh, but um, that's, that's, that's tough to deal with. Um, and then my only other comment is campaign isn't quite as bad as he was last this past year. He's been okay. He's just not a difference maker for that second unit. So there really isn't a difference maker on that second unit. There isn't, not only do the Suns not have a consistent third scorer, they don't really have anyone uh, coming off the bench who um, can lead you on a run. Um, that that's when we, you talked about that earlier and that's why I hope Darius Arch as the one big, not the second big, uh, might be really good in that second unit, uh, to help get guys going. Um, so yeah, you don't, you're not going to, yeah, jam. I don't like Craig on offense. Well, more, the more you watch a Kogi, you're not going to like him either. Um, okay. Now any other comments on the Friday game? The sun's lost in overtime. Well, and I know you'd mentioned uh, a little bit about the, um, defenses uh, playing zone against the Suns, and i mean yes. zone traditionally is uh, portland I, mean, played, I, I, know I don't know how many times portland played zone almost the whole second half and, and honestly i mean it, it's not a bad strategy in the sense that the reason why zone kind of fell out of fashion was because 
the Warriors and everybody, when they started moving faster and shooting more threes, the zone invites more outside shooting, right? Um, Because it's the idea that maybe you're not as big, so you got more guys helping out and down low. The Suns don't take a lot of threes. Paul's not, you know, a very high volume, highly efficient three-point shooter. Booker looks, every shot always looks like it's going in, uh, and he's gotten a little better at it finally um, on the threes. But as we talked about, Mikel hasn't hit one yet, so unless Cam Johnson's going to stay on the floor, it's going to be up to those two. I mean, or occasionally when Aiton's allowed to shoot a three too, but um, I'm surprised we if we don't see more zone moving forward as kind of the recipe against us until uh, we start, you know, uh, making people scared to uh, allow us to have those three point shots. Yeah. The Suns are definitely going to have to have to solve that zone and taking more outside shots. Also flashing somebody, to the um, <clears throat> to the top of the key also really helps as the kind of like the same thing as a trap almost except the there's more defenders closer to you so they're not quite comfortable with D, with da making that catch they want him to be the dude who catches the pass from the guy who catches that first shot the Suns haven't quite figured that out yet so uh, they're going to have to solve for the zone though because everyone's going to start playing zone against them. Uh, so that's, that's a really good observation. Um, my final thoughts on the Suns um, coming out of those games basically is that um, this is a scrappy team. They're, they, they, they're figuring it out. They're changing their offense a little bit. They're changing the focus. And um, I just want to do a quick stock up, stock down, stop, stock up, stock down on the roster. And so we can point out who's been impressive and who hasn't. Uh, so far in the in the early going, Devin Booker is he better, worse, or the same than he has been um, uh, than you thought he was going to be in these first two games? Everybody oh. can vote in the chat as well. Yeah, he's better, he's worse, a, or same. He's that Amazon Tesla stock that uh, that blue chip uh, <laughs> where you think it's already too highly uh, too much to put money into, but it keeps growing uh, over time. Uh, Booker's looking great. So Booker stock up. I agree with that. Um, definitely. I think Booker has been better than I thought he would be in the first two games. Um, Deandre Aiden stock up, stock down. Uh, another stock up for me. Uh, that's a, I feel like I'm Jim Cramer now. Like I want to hit the buttons like whammy jammy. Like, wow. Yeah, no, <laughs> buy, buy this one. Definitely. Uh, no, great, great value. Um, hot girls are here. Nice. See stock up for hot girls being here. Yeah. We got to get rid of the hot girls. We don't want hot girls around here. No hot girls. What are you thinking? This is a Suns podcast. This is this is a this is a basketball podcast. There ain't no hot girls around. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and we don't even want hot girls. It's Saturday morning. Come on. All right. Uh, so no Dario next... with Jock. No hot girls. Chris... Dave. I, I agree with the commenters. Uh, what? 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 Who ruined your breakfast this morning? <laughs> Chris Paul, stock up, stock down. Uh, I'm going to say stock is flat, uh, not down, not up. Ooh, uh, can, can I can I do that one? Yeah, uh, I, I think um, I, I'm okay with him being, you know, uh, the old wise man out there and just, you know, setting people up and getting steals, like you said, smartest player on the court. And uh, I can see why they played him, you know, in the overtime. He's he, he looks like he's always in control you get a little bit of that nervousness with campaign out there, but uh, yeah, he hasn't totally wowed me. So I'm saying flat right now. Okay. I'm going to go stock down on Chris Paul. Mikel Bridges, stock up, stock down. 
I'm going to say it's a slight up. Uh, I, I've, uh, I think he's got a little bit more to go offensively. Um, and, uh, um, but I mean, he, as you point out, the assists, the rebounds, he's doing all the little things. Uh, maybe it's because he was tired of the Sean Marion comparisons. He just thought, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go be that. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually a stock up on Mikel. I know I, I complain about his offense and he's not really a type a scorer and he's not their consistent number three, but man, his rebounding has been very impressive to me and he's playing defense just like he always has. So uh, he's taken on the other team's best defender all the time. So I, th- I definitely think he's uh, he's he's a stock up for sure. Um, okay, next guy, Cam Johnson, stock up or stock down? That's the stock down right now. That's a, he, it, his tailbone and cramping. I mean, uh, I hope he doesn't have that Anthony Davis disease of uh, just constantly breaking down now that he's uh, got a shot to be impressive, but he's got to stay on the floor. Yeah, Cam Johnson stock down right now for me. Um, he just recently um, partnered up with Flower Child, which is a healthy uh, eating place, and he's got his own his own uh, dish there. And anyone who buys that dish could win a signed Cam Johnson. But my first reaction was stop eating so much dang. I don't know. He's, he needs more water. He needs more fluids, not <laughs> not more food. Um, so that dude cramping in the first two games of the year that's not really a great sign. Let's get him healthy, get him right, and let's see how he can do because he is that shooter that the Suns need. Basically, the Suns have been without Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and Landry Shamit these first three games. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, Dario as the one big. Um, okay, <laughs> so let's go. Uh, let's see. We went. That's the whole starting lineup. Now let's do a quick run uh, through the, the bench. Jock Landale, stock up or stock down versus expectations coming in? I had low expectations, so I actually think he's he's done well. Uh, I think, as you point out, Dario could probably do better. So I'm gonna, but uh, I'd say stock up. But he he was a penny stock to to begin with. <laughs> I'm gonna say stock down because my expectations were a little bit too high for him. He has he has just been killed um, on drives to the hoop. They wait. They set him up on a pick and roll, and he's just getting killed. And he's fouling like crazy. He's been in foul trouble both games. So my stock is down on him. Campaign. Stock's flat. Uh, better than, you know, I remember, uh, I think you talked about this coming into last season about how campaign did so well during, during our championship run. Would he return to the mean? And actually, I think he was worse than his mean. But now I think he's back to his average. So I think it's kind of a flat stock. All right. And you're being pretty pretty neutral today man everyone's getting these well, you know two now. you know two games yeah <laughs> be a neutral i am in overreact mode you're in not overreact mode that's fine that's good um i think his 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 stock is a little bit up actually he looks a little bit better to me um he doesn't look quite as frantic and maybe it's just because he's not trying so many crazy ass layups um from 10 feet away that's trying to make it a layup even though he's still 10 feet from the basket so i'm going to go stock up a little bit on him uh, Damian Lee. Ooh, yeah, it's definitely up. I, I had zero expectations of him even getting off the bench and he's already way blown that away. Um, so dude was uh, second on the team in rebounds last night with six tied with, uh, DA because DA was being put into pick and roll traps and all that all night. And so he was being taken away from the rim by the sun zone defensive scheme. Yeah, I didn't even know Lee was going to be able to bring something like that. I really just thought he was going to be like a poor man's curry 
uh, just maybe a little bigger, but he, he throws his body around and can body mm-hmm. people up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Um, and Tory Craig. <laughs> uh, flat. I mean, my expectations for Craig are not high and I think he does what he needs to. We're not going to get the Craig from two years ago. Um, but you know, the, there's, um, yeah, there, 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 one comedian explained this once about uh, uh, political candidates that uh, um, he says, I kind of like politicians and everyone's like, oh, so-and-so is basically the worst person in the whole world. And they go, but then when they get in there and they haven't like done any like heinous crimes, I'm like, oh, look, they're pretty good. They've beaten expectations. They're, they're not doing terrible, terrible things. So that's kind of where I'm at with Craig is he doesn't do a lot of terrible things. He's just, he's Tory Craig. <laughs> Yeah, um, just watching Tory Craig play this many minutes reminds me how much I'd rather Cam Johnson was healthy, Jay Crowder was happy, and and Landry Shannon. This many minutes, better. he's got ten minutes a game. Yeah, I know, but this many—that's <laughs> too many, <laughs> too many, too many minutes. It's but ten. you're right. You're echoing what I said earlier. Craig doesn't hurt you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't lose games for you. He just doesn't win them either. And so, obviously, I'd like somebody a little bit better. Yeah, his job right now is to help keep Cam. Well, Johnson gets to stay fresh because he doesn't stay on the court. But uh, you know, helping Mikhail's minutes were a ton last year too. So mm-hmm. if he can come in and, uh, as you say, just kind of hold hold things together a little bit, that's all I'm asking for him. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know. Sundress is having some fun in the chat, but he's he's sounding like he's really spiraling. It's like watching the 2017 Suns, dude. It's been too long for you. You've totally <laughs> forgotten how how much of a joke, joke that team was. Joke. Dragon Bender's coming back, man. Uh. So you guys are, yeah. I, I've been overall for the Suns. Um, I'm I'm happy with their spirit. I know they're in the middle of transition and trying to figure stuff out, but I'm happy with their spirit. Okay, um, only Craig. You means only Craig. Really needed. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no. Only Craig. Okay. Good. Thanks, Sunders. I was gonna say um, I remember those dark days of Sun Solar Panel where you guys good. would be like, "Okay, let's oh. not talk about the draft. Let's talk about Game Twenty. How are we feeling, guys?" <laughs> it's like actually, bad. back then, let's, talk let's the not talk about the draft. Let's talk about Game Two. <laughs> oh, people were already planning for the draft. Is yeah, crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Sunders. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I am happy. I am happy with how this are playing because I was worried more about their spirit and I like that they're trying different things. And I think the Devin Booker closing as point guard is something we're going to see more often, definitely than last year, which was zero um, and definitely something that is a good go-to for the Suns. And they do have, at least Monty is trying. Monty is adjusting. He's trying new things. Some of that's not going to work. I mean, he said after game one, he's like, man, I felt bad for those bench guys because he kept subbing them out after two minutes. Remember that second quarter? The Suns got 13 deep on guys who played. And um, eight, like all 13 played at some point in that second quarter. It was wild. Uh, so he's he's trying different things. Things will get better. This team's going to win 55-plus games. The question is, who are they going to be by playoff time? And I do agree that they need more players better, better tertiary players by playoff time but for now they'll be just fine so yeah and they are intentionally use, utilizing Aiden more and i love that Aiden being a go-to guy in the fourth quarter is important because he he he, he scores he is efficient it's okay it's great 
for Aiden to be touching the ball in the fourth quarter and he'll get better at it for sure. Um, all right, Jake, um, let's uh, talk about the rest of the association. Well, you didn't I know we're an hour 14 a, into a this fucking thing, but we got five <laughs> minutes. No, we're not going to do a Kogi. Uh, let's go associate rest of the association. So who has impressed you this week? Oh, this week, uh, Timberwolves. Uh, oh, I, I should, They're I one and say, one. They say, lost to the Jazz. How can that I know, be impressive? I know, but that that first game was impressive. I'll say that um, they lost to the Jazz. Not in the first game. Who, the only they, time they played the Jazz, they lost to them. <laughs> the Jazz. Hey, Jazz are two and zero. Oh? Yeah, Und, undefeated. They're they're going on a run. Danny Ainge Denver to lost pissed. to the Jazz. That's right. That's right. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, no, who's impressed me? Uh, uh, Paulo uh, Bencaro with the Magic, uh, watching him actually fill it up. Actually, the rookies in general. A lot of the rookies uh, from this draft class uh, have really been playing well. Um, was it Jaden Ivey and uh, uh, with Detroit Pistons? And um, so I, I've kind of seen more some individual players. Uh, I can't say anything about any particular teams that have really blown me away yet, um, but. Uh, Hello says the Warriors look impressive. Okay, game one. But they lost to the team that lost to the Jazz last night. They lost to Denver. They were down 20 in the first half. That's not that impressive to me. Ah, Ted Lubin, the Pelicans. Have you seen anything about the Pelicans? They Uh, look freaking good. They've been playing uh, bad teams, but they look good. Yeah. No, that's that's. I was wondering how Ingram and uh, Zion were going to fit together after like Mm -hmm. a year off, but they're – playing well together <clears throat> they're definitely playing well together i think the pelicans are going to be a tough out and i think willie green is a as a hell of a coach mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, what do you think about that th- those lakers are our, our, uh, our friends uh in our uh, division with us uh, the lakers are already in the place i thought they would be by mid-season which is hell yep I feel, I feel like the fact that there's articles out there just being like, well, LeBron's going to chase stats and, and uh, record breaking for the rest of the season. Is, Jesus. Anthony uh, Davis looks like a shell of his former self, offensively anyway. I guess he's been good yeah. on defense, but uh, man, they, the Lakers are not good. Who's the Lakers' third best player? Yep. Okay. That's that's, that's the only answer. Westbrook, you need to isn't get. it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, Westbrook's awful. He was over eleven. In, in the second game. game. In the first game, he was pretty good, though. <clears throat> I, I mean, I, I, he was 0 for 11. I think Pat Bev was like 1 for 6, too. I mean, they're You know, if we add up five of our um, uh, tertiary players, we could get a Westbrook. Is that is that what you want? No, actually, I was going to ask you. Okay, here, here's the hot <laughs> trade idea of the day, um, and uh, but it doesn't involve the Sun. So if, uh, if you are the Lakers, do you ship out the two first-round draft picks that are what? coming around in like year eight or nine um, to the jazz for Conley Clarkson. And uh, I think you can get Vanderbilt in that without, with the, uh, the numbers. Sons tried for Vanderbilt. No, no, no. Jazz don't want to trade him. Okay. Okay. So then, um, Oh gosh, who else do they have? Uh, Conley Clarkson and um, Oh, uh, Rudy Gay. Would, Would you, if you're the Lakers, would you make that trade? Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about for the Suns. Why are we yeah. talking about a Lakers trade? I know like, because you know Dude. that would shift things around. You know the Suns love to hate the Lakers, but uh, and that would actually disrupt because we were looking to go after Vanderbilt too. But uh, would you make that trade if you're the Jazz or and uh, the Lakers? 
Uh, if the Jazz definitely want to lose as many games as possible uh, for Scoot Henderson or Victor Wembanyama, then they probably would make a trade like that at some point. Although they won't be happy with the Lakers' first-round picks, but I—that's all we're gonna—we're not gonna talk about the Lakers anymore. Let's stop that. <laughs> Let's what about a Jazz trade to the Suns? Jazz trade to the Suns. So this—they uh, won't trade Jared Vanderbilt away. Um, so any young guys, so it'd have to be veterans. I'm, I'm out on Mike Conley. He's just too small. He's like a basically Chris Paul. Um, and and uh, I, I'm out on, um, I don't know. I've never been a fan of Jordan Clarkson. You'll get your points from him, guys. But he's also going to give up as many points as he as he scores. And and he was, you know, I just don't, they don't have a great feel, those Jazz players, from from all those years of, of getting knocked out of the playoffs. All right. Uh, uh, I, I, let's see. Around the association, anyone you, else improve? Anyone else impress you? Uh, that jumped out this week. 76ers? Impress? They look yeah. weird. They look yeah. weird. They've been oh, you know, who, you know who's definitely not TV. impressed me is the Nets. Uh, can yeah. KD, KD better go back and say, actually, uh, fire the coach and general manager again. Or yeah, I think here. I think the first first coach going to be fired is Steve Nash. And I think KD will be traded by midseason because, yeah, things are not going to look good. They are not looking good. In, in oh, Brooklyn. gosh. And what happened to Ben Simmons? I mean, is he what you thought he'd be coming back? I, I think they're still saying he's trying to round himself back into NBA playing. But he's, the dude's still just um, – yeah, he's only 26. I mean, how much time does he need to get back into playing shape? But right, we'll see. I, I think he's I think he's lost his uh, his mojo, at least long enough for Kevin Durant to demand a trade. <laughs> uh, what have you uh, seen the Grizzlies at all? Oh, Grizzlies, of course, are impressive. John Morant, Jesus Christ, 49 points in 30 minutes on Friday night. Of course, I think they beat a really bad team, but that's it's just. Good for them. Mm-hmm. What was that? That is, that was I a moment that was outside. I thought that was the start of a manscaped ad. We're well, <laughs> we're well past that, oh, man. I was going to say, I do miss <laughs> your manscaped ads. Uh, those were great. Now, uh, the Bucks too, uh, without Chris Middleton, and they took care of business, uh, what, two nights ago against the 76ers. They're off to a 2 0 start. Uh, I was a little surprised now that I look at the standings. Um, that uh, the Celtics have kept it together, even with their yeah. odd coaching set uh, situation going on there. Yeah, um, they haven't faced adversity yet, and that's when your coach really makes a big difference. Obviously, scheme-wise, they're doing well. They're playing well. Good for them. Good for Missoula. But, um, you know, you just don't know until they hit a rough patch on how they're going to respond to their coach. But good for them that they started well. Yes, they had every excuse, every reason not to start well. So, that's good on them. Ooh, so let me ask you then. Um, bigger surprise that uh, the Wizards are undefeated or that the Jazz are undefeated? Oh, Jazz for sure. The Wizards actually are trying to actually they're, – they're supposed to win games. Um, so good for them. Good for the Wizards. They've got um, Porzingis. They've got Kyle Kuzma. They've got Bradley Beal. They actually might contend for a playoff spot this year, although I think they'll still come up short. But definitely um, – Man, the Jazz being two and zero and Portland being two and zero are surprises. Portland yeah. looked like a, like a team that can win forty games last night. They did. And you know, I, we've seen uh, 
how many years even uh even before the the disastrous decade we had um you know Lillard being with the Blazers as long as he has been now it's like I've got mad respect for that guy like I I just I feel like mm-hmm. I've seen so many games uh, of Suns versus him and he was he's prime Dame how he does on it Friday yeah. night prime Dame I, I mean how many let's see he finished with uh 41 points jeez yeah including the uh the um the two free throws that put them up yeah yeah I mean, no, no, it, sorry. The two free throws that tied it up, and then he, uh, and then um, it was the other dude who who made the shot to put them up. So trade uh, Chris Paul for Dame Lillard and see what happens. <laughs> uh, I, you know what, I think the Portland is not going to want to win forty games because that's the worst place to be in the NBA. Oh, yeah. you either need to give your chance to yourself a chance to win the lottery, or you've got to give yourself a chance to be a, a strong playoff team. And a ton of teams are going to sell off by the trade deadline. So Ooh. I would not be surprised if, if Portland trades Dame. Oh, that, that would, that would be so hard on that fan base. Uh, if they did that. Cause I mean, that guy's done nothing, but just like, no, I want to stay in Portland. <laughs> like yeah, I want to build well, a team in Portland. Yeah. But he also toward the end of his career might want to win some games and they're not set up to win games. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Let's uh, preview the next week of games for the Suns because then uh, we have to see how we did. So I predicted the Suns would be one and one after three games, and I was right. Um, it didn't exactly happen the way I thought, but it never never does. So uh, good on the Suns for uh, winning against the Mavericks. Now tomorrow night, Sunday night, they play at the Clippers. Tuesday they host the Warriors, and Friday they host that those hot Pelicans. Do you think the Suns are going to win? How do you think they're going to do in these three games? one on the road two at home but all three teams look really tough yeah uh i could (laughs) i could see us losing all three um i we are as good as all these teams um so i won't feel bad if we do go like one and two as some of the guys in the chat are saying but uh i think uh i think we beat the gosh i'm trying to think who's the who's the easiest of the upcoming teams to beat um, it might be the Warriors, uh, which sounds weird. <laughs> the defending champions to me might be the best matchup wise. Um, it, I've only seen the one Clippers game and Kawhi was coming off the bench. So I'm not quite sure, um, what kind of a setup that's going to yeah. be moving forward. Jam next Saturday's show is going to be a mess. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're predicting what? Give me a prediction. Uh, I'll go. I'll, I'll be optimistic. So let's say. Uh, let's say two and one. All right. So I predicted three and two after five games, um, on a post on Bright Side of the Sun, and I'm going to stick with three and two, which means they're going to go two and one. And what my prediction was is that they were going to lose on the road to the Clippers, so they'll be one and two. But then they'll win the two home games this coming week. Uh, the Pelicans have looked better than I thought they would. I made that prediction before the season started. So I'm a little bit leery, but I do think the Suns will beat the Warriors on Tuesday um, in Phoenix. I think there's going to be a lot of energy, a lot of support from the fan base and all that. Um, I don't think now SDHX says the Pels and Clips will want it more. No, they don't. They're not going to want it more than the Suns. The Suns have a lot to prove, and they've shown in these last two games. But they, those teams are talented, and they can beat the Suns just on their talent. 
Uh, the Pelicans are better than they were in the playoffs because they have Zion Williamson playing like an all-star all of a sudden. And Brandon Ingram is, is picking up right where he left off. So the Pelicans are going to be a really, really tough out. The Clippers having Kawhi back, the only uh, it's 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 going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I do think I'm going to predict two and one, but I would not be surprised with one and two or zero oh and three. And it won't be the end of the world even if they go zero oh and three this week. This isn't the time for the Suns to be at their. The Suns are not at their peak. They're just not. So you're thinking Suns beat Clippers and the Warriors? No, I I predict I had predicted Warriors and Pelicans, but okay. now I'm I'm teetering on the Pelicans pick. Okay. So yeah. I had predicted they would lose to the Clippers on Sunday in LA. Um, so really the Suns to, to make this a successful week, they'll have to beat the Clippers on Sunday. So we'll see how that goes. Gotcha. Cam J defending Zion should be interesting. Ted Lubin. Oh, Jesus. Cam <laughs> flies <laughs> like a pinball against anybody. Imagine Zion hitting him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, we're gonna we need can, a lot of Tory Craig on uh, on Zion. Oh, geez, a, little, a lot of Dario. We need. To... <laughs> can you imagine? Zion will just spin right past Dario and be like, "Oh, <laughs> wow, look at that!" Yeah. So we'll see. All right, um, this has been fun. Thank you for joining the show today, everybody. We're almost an hour and a half in. Jake, thank you for giving me your time this morning. I appreciate it. Big thanks to PLR for joining us. Jake, you can find him on Twitter at Fallen Founder. You can find me, Dave King, on Twitter at Dave King NBA. And you can find all my writing if you'd rather read than, than listen. You can find all my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. We've got a great team. We cover the Suns 24-7, 365 days a year. And uh, you'll get everything you need from that. So big props. Thank you so much for joining us today in the chat, everybody. So many people joined us. I really appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week. And I, you know, everybody, you might just have to take a breather before that show starts because otherwise it's going to be fire. Dario and Jock, Twin Towers. Let's see it this week. All right. See you all later. Thanks, everyone. Hey, before you go anywhere, do me a quick favor and leave us a five-star review. Go right into your Apple Podcast app and leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate it. And uh, any kind words you have. Very, very much appreciated. Thank you. 